Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The FIFA Women's World Cup 2015. Brought to you by the Offside Rule and Audio Boom. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule. We get it for one of our podcast specials from Canada for the Women's World Cup. And it's kind of the podcast we didn't want to do, really, as England halted from their route through to the final by Japan in that tragic loss. Lindsay, I'm still feeling the pain and I'm sure you are too. Yes, it was a cruel end, wasn't it, to England's brilliant tournament. Um, feel very much for Laura Bassett, but I know that the country, the supporters, the team, Mark Sampson in his post-match press conference, they're all behind her. And she was one of the standout performers in this tournament, so I think she can hold her head high and will come back, hopefully, with, with a brilliant performance against Germany on Saturday. They now contest for a bronze medal, and although it's not the gold they wanted, there's still a lot at stake. And as Karen Carney put so well in her post-match interview and on Twitter as well, they came out with two aims. One was to try and get the gold medal, but the other was to inspire a nation, and they've certainly done that indeed. What else is coming up on today's podcast? Well, we'll be hearing a little bit more on the game and on the standard of football at this Women's World Cup from Shawnee Aluko, Eni's brother. The whole City player came out to watch Eni in that semi-final. Really interesting chat that you had with him, Lindsay, so we'll hear more of that in just a mo. We're also going to digest England's World Cup in numbers, throwing a few stats around, and we'll hear from Casey Stoney in her quick-fire questions. I'm Farrah Williams, you're listening to The Offside Rule. We get it out here in Canada, brought to you by Audioboom. OK, Lindsay, well, let's focus on England's loss to Japan and perhaps some behind-the-scenes insight from us and what it felt like to be in that crowd of over 30,000 spectators. I think going into the game, everyone, and I know we've said this before, but it's important to point out that there was such an underlying confidence about the squad. And that's not just what they said to the media. That was what they were giving to us as well as people who know them well and have followed them for an awful long time. Well, we actually went to the team hotel that morning, which is the first time this tournament we'd actually been in the England team hotel on the morning of a match. And um, we weren't there to see the players. We were actually there meeting someone else. But as is often the case in hotels, there's a through fare of people. And the England team actually came down to do some 
some shirt signing and get their breakfast. And as that happened, a few of them came over and said hello. And one of them was Laura Bassett. Mm. Very much calm collected and they said that they just weren't feeling nervous and I thought that showed on the pitch because I thought their performance was brilliant across the 90 minutes yes there were spells when Japan were perhaps in charge and there were moments of misfortune mainly to do with the refereeing decisions um, both penalties by the way we have to say we had a good view of Claire Rafferty being outside the box when she committed the foul and the other end I do think it was a bit tame and soft for the Japanese penalty as well so those ruled each other out but the underlying feeling that we got even from that morning heading into the stadium was that the team were just up for this. And I thought they showed that. And then we were surrounded by friends and family. We sat down with them in the stadium. And they weren't as nervous as they had been when we've seen them before. I mean, we've been around Len Horton, Steph's dad, quite a bit. Um, we've been around a few of the others. And most of them was just exuding this. Actually, the girls are really going for this. And we're in a semi-final. We just got to give it our best. That's what they did. We were in that team hotel with Shawnee Aluka, who was there to support any, and he made an interesting point as well. He said that the build-up to their FA Cup final against Arsenal last season um, was nothing like that. He said we were really nervous. He said it was nothing like the mood here, nothing uh, like as relaxed as what was going on in that England camp. And I think he was genuinely taken aback as well. Um, I saw Laura Bassett, of course, we saw her in, in, in the team hotel, but I saw her the day before just on the street and she was laughing at me because I was marching down the street to meet you and she was marching down the street to meet her other half and her brother and we sort of laughed at each other because we both had this kind of marching face on and we had a, had a really nice chat and, and oh god she's such a level-headed player she's one of the kind of older bunch as well so she's kind of been there seen that and done that basically and so it's that experience uh, and that level-headedness that I hope will see her through. Well that's a very good point to make because you know what if that had happened to a younger player it could have maybe destroyed them but I have every confidence that Laura Bassett will bounce back because of her professionalism, her experience and the support network that she's got her around her as well. Um, Karen Carney being one, the support she's got from her manager, Mark Sampson, I thought he gave a very good post-match press conference. So all in all, I think Laura Bassett on Saturday, I'd be surprised if she doesn't start that match. And apart from one minute or actually one moment in a game, where I don't think she had any other choice but to try and get her foot on the end of that ball. It's just unfortunate that it ended up going in off the crossbar and being impossible for Cam Bardsley to save. But apart from that one moment, I mean, she has really stood tall. She's taken everything. I mean, I think Karen Carney pointed out in her reaction afterwards that she is black and blue, Laura yeah, Bassett, is, from yeah. taking hits in yeah. this tournament. Yeah, we saw Camille... Uh, I believe foul her uh, with an elbow to the face and we interviewed um, Laura afterwards and do check out the Audio Boom channel folks if you want to look at the back history to this Women's World Cup because we spoke to Laura and I took a picture of her in her shiner and she was smiling about it then but that must have absolutely killed at the time but she's a she's such a Trojan she really is um and we'd send her the best if she happens to tune into this. We're all completely behind you, Laura. Let's talk about during the game. We were sat in front of Claire Rafferty's mum. And, of course, it was Claire Rafferty who was um, a judge to have fouled the Japanese player for the first penalty which they scored. But, as you mentioned, we clearly saw that it wasn't inside the box. It started outside the box. I thought it was interesting because you talk about parents getting nervous watching their kids. And I, and I noticed that Claire Rafferty's mum, after that happened, about two minutes later, stood up and walked out for a while 
while, actually, and, and I think it was to collect herself. I've spoken to Pauline a couple of times, and I know she gets nervous, um, and she's so passionate. I mean, you can probably hear her in some of our audio as well. She's so passionate about um, about the game, and I just thought it, it just really, really reminded me how much it means not only to the players but to the parents. Well, as well as hearing her, you would have seen her probably on the television because she brought along a huge England flag. <laughs> yeah. And so the camera, of course, is going in through the crowd trying to pick out all the best shots, and I'm sure that Pauline will be among those. And another mention as well, because it was the first time we met him, but Jill Scott's brother, who was in brilliant voice, a really good orchestrator of team chanting, wasn't he, in, in the little end that we were in? <laughs> um, Japanese fans um, before the game, they love to dress up don't they? Just just to bring you a bit of a vibe of, of the crowd. Very well behaved. They had some drummers with them, which we could hear, but they didn't heckle too much. Um, they're, I think, as a nation, incredibly polite anyway. And um, I thought that they'd put in some top effort into their fancy dress sort of game gear. They were very frustrating to play against and, and watching as well. They are so intricate and just in tune for these little triangles of movement throughout midfield, throughout defence. And I said at one point, even when England were on top, it's like trying to walk through treacle. This team, they keep going and going. And they're so dangerous on the counter-attack, as we saw, and they only need that one pinpoint cross and it causes all sorts of manner of problems. But the little moment in the game that I wanted to identify was in England's favour. It was a moment when England were on top and it was when I felt really calm because I thought we're going to go on and we're going to win this and there were three very clear-cut chances in a short space of time and they included Jill Scott with a header Mm. they included Ellen White who'd come on as a substitute who forced a brilliant save and there was Tony Duggan who hit the crossbar we'll come to England in numbers in a bit and I'll tell you a little number about that I really thought at that point England are going to do it. We're going to get to a final. And for the first time, unlike with Canada, when we were having to hold on to a lead, Mm. I relaxed. I really did. I didn't have fear at that moment. And look at how it turned out. And it just goes to show how cruel a game and how it just turns on a knife edge. You know when you've got an annoying mate, and this person will know who she is because she'll be listening to this, who sends you a message at an inopportune moment going... Japan always score a late goal. And I looked at that and I thought, how can you be saying that? You know, shh, be quiet, be quiet. And I thought, Do you know what? It is true. But we were so much on top. And I think at that time we were, we were concentrating on it going to extra time. And we really fancied, especially on fitness and fight, we really fancied England. And we got this message through both of us. And we were like, what is she saying? And then within minutes, the Laura Bassett own goal. And I was just, oh, it's just one of those agonising moments for a fan, isn't it? When the little annoying text that you get through happens to be correct. Well, I was convinced I was going to have to get tested for some being some sort of oracle, you know, because um, I'd, I'd said Farrah Williams will score, it'll be one all, and we'll go into extra time and England will win. And I was convinced that I was going to be bang <laughs> on the money and no, um, no tests needed. <laughs> All right, well, that's probably about as much as you can bear hearing on that game because I know I'm just looking forward to focusing on Germany, really, and also on the World Cup final as well. But one good piece of news to come out um, in the last few hours is a bit of recognition. Lucy Bronze came off injured in that game, and we hope she's okay. Um, I've got a feeling she will be. It didn't look serious, just just a knock, I think. Yeah, just a knock, and I think she was taken off as as a preventative measure. But FIFA's technical study group uh, analyse... 
and decide who they uh, think is worthy of the tournament's best player award. That's for the Golden Ball. Eight nominees and Lucy Bronze is amongst them. What a huge honour. A huge honour. And I know that she's posted something saying that I know this is an individual recognition, but she is obviously um, putting a lot of praise onto her teammates for that recognition as well, which rightly so. But Lucy has had a fantastic tournament. I think we've all seen as well the, the little campaign going around on social media saying that 2015, every young boy, and there's a picture of a boy with a shirt on the back, and number 12 bronze, um, <laughs> will be pretending that they scored in a World Cup and calling themselves Lucy. Um, that sort of summarises it, and I'm glad it's been picked up by this FIFA committee. I think Lucy Bronze has had a great tournament. I think she is a player within the England team that is truly world-class, and that's why she's amongst those other names. The other names, USA's Carly Lloyd, Julie Johnson, who um, made her um, debut World Cup appearance in this tournament, Megan Rapinoe as well, Amandine Henry for France, she's in there, Celia Sasic, and then for Japan, Ariyoshi, who I thought was very good mm. against England, and um, Miyama, who scored that penalty for Japan. Best of luck to Lucy Bronze in that one, though. Hi, I'm Eniola Luco, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. We get it. Out in Canada for the 2015 Women's World Cup. Let's hear it now from Sean Luco, Eni's brother. He plays for Hull City. Um, I know, Lindsay, you had a really nice chat with him. So interesting to get the perspective of a Premier League player when we're watching football at this level. There's been plenty of pro uh, press and plenty of negative press as well in terms of the standards. So let's hear from Shawnee now on England's performance against Japan and also about the level of football here. Shawnee Aluko joins me, Eni Aluko's brother, at the full-time whistle. Deflated is how the England side look. They look gutted. Uh, you've been on the receiving end of losses and important losses at that. Just exactly what do you do to pick yourself up? It's not a whole lot you can do for the first you know, 24 hours, 48 days. You've just got to suck it up and and move on. Like I said, I've, we've all had disappointments in life and it hurts hard and especially after you work so hard and come so far and you're so close to you know, going further, there's not a whole lot you can do but just suck up really. What was your assessment of the match? Um, it's hard watching you know, a family play and not having an analytical mind about it and thinking tactically about the game but I think for large spells they dominated and I just really felt they should have went for it. You know what I mean? I think they left the one strike up front for, for, for pretty much the whole game, in fact. And I thought when they were really pressing, I think I thought, oh, you know, go for it, put two up front and, and really test them. But I always had that, that caution that Japan were breaking on them. What England normally do to other teams, Japan did to them in the end. And in the end, you know, I feel sick for, for Bass that she's because of her own goal. But um, it's football, you know, it's tough to take. I suppose we need to put the positive spin on this. England women, the Lionesses, roaring on to a, a hopefully a bronze medal. They've achieved so much this tournament, haven't they? Definitely. You know, I think everyone at home can, from the, from the group stages to, to now, the, how the country's got behind them and you know, the viewing numbers has grown. I think a lot, of, a lot of people have looked at women's football. This might be their first time watching and seeing that it's, it's a good team. They're, they play with passion. And they, really, they really care about playing for England, which is, a, which is good seeing that the, the quality in the team is, you know, is growing and it'll, it'll inspire a lot of girls to, to go on and play football. And from someone who's played in the Premier League, which is the ultimate league around the world, what's the standard like? Just tell, tell, tell the people that are novices that don't watch. It's, it's very high. Like, the Japanese girls today, I was, I was really impressed with them. You know, and if you, if you watch the whole tournament, you know, the, the standard generally has been, been very good. I was worried before the tournament being on artificial pitch how standard was going to be but the, I'm sure you, you can't compare it to the men because we're physically different so the, the, the sport is different but it's very pleasing to, on the eye to watch you know you still get a lot of entertainment 
and you, know, you see different styles of football like Japanese all short, all short passing play out for the back really composed the England team is a lot more direct and I think they tried to mix it with the Japanese team today and every set piece went in the box and you know, so you, you see contrast that you don't always see in English football in Premier League football anyway most teams play the same way so um, it's enjoyable it's enjoyable thank you very much for speaking to us thank you very much the offside rule we get it with Kate Bosset and Lindsay Hooper at the Women's World Cup in Canada thanks very much to Shawnee for that he speaks really eloquently doesn't he Lindsay he does. And I know that we're moving on to England in numbers next. And I'd like to start with five million Alucos. <laughs> it seems they all can play football, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. Um, all right, England in numbers. So let's start to um, look at what England have been achieving and some interesting stats to throw around. Millions is what I'm going to start with. Millions of people viewing figures for these games, even though they're on at strange times of the night. I know that the game against Canada drew in 1.6 million viewers. Um, that went up to 2 million when you included um, online presence for that as well. Um, I think that's incredible when you think about the time of night that these games are on. Um, I don't have the official figures for the Japan game yet, um, but I'd be excited to see those as well. And also another exciting thing to look forward to is that the next World Cup is going to be in France. So mm. in Europe, at better times of the day, what sort of figures are we going to see then? Yeah, we'd also like to see lots more travelling support as well. It's been, of course, it's tough to get over to Canada. It's not cheap here. Of course, it's not and taking time off work and everything else. But being that it's over in France, it means that you can um, hopefully uh, try and sign yourself up for a couple of long weekends for that one. What are you going to go with then, Lindsay? Well, I alluded earlier to the number of times England have hit the woodwork. Three in this tournament so far. Mm-hmm. OK, well, I'm going to go ten. Number of goals that England have scored so far in this tournament since that opening loss to France. One of them, of course, I wish we hadn't scored. These are some quick fire numbers for you, all to do with England at this World Cup. So 26, the number of England shots on target. 74, the number of England shots in their entirety over the World Cup. At 15, the number of England shots on goal against Japan just in that game. So that's a little bit of statistics Mm. dissected for you in numbers. I'm going to go 28. That was World Cup debutante Jodie Taylor's age when she debuted for England. She's a late starter. I think this is a great story for anyone who um, perhaps fell out of love with football as a teenager and is getting back into it or just wants a bit of an inspirational story uh, for someone approaching 30. She's now 29. What a great performance she's had at this tournament. Um, She's played at so many clubs as well, from Birmingham City to Ottawa Fury, Sydney FC. She's now at Portland Thorns with the likes of Alex Morgan and Christine Sinclair. I'm going to add in a number nine. That's a number of weeks since knee surgery. And I'm going to add in 15, just because this is a great stat. When she was younger, Jodie, who was born and raised in Birkenhead on Merseyside, um, scored 15 consecutive hat-tricks for Aldershaw School in Wallasey. Incredible, 15 consecutive hat-tricks. You're looking at this like it's not true, but I promise it's in black and white in front of me. And I think she might have been age 15 as well for something else. Maybe 15 is a a running number uh, when she made her first team debut for Tranmere Rovers. Very well remembered, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else? My favourite number is probably the twos. Um, Two goals for each of the following, um, making them equal top England goal scorers. Kaz Carney, Farrah Williams and Lucy Bronze. But another two to add in, Farrah Williams' number of assists. Oh, 
good. Um, I'm going to give you a number four. That's the number of finishes England have had in the top eight of a Women's World Cup without finishing in the top two. That's the most of any country. So we're really good at finishing in the top eight, but not in the top two of this Women's World Cup. Let's hope we can correct that next time round. I have three favourite numbers, 21, 22 and 23. So I'll do all three. <laughs> uh, 21, Alex Greenwood, youngest member of the yes. England squad. 22 is Frank Kerbisher number and the mini Messi. And 23 uh, is the £23,000, the annual wage mm. for England players paid out by the FA. Of course, they get more endorsements and money from different clubs, but 23000 is their central contract. I'm going to give you my last one, and it's a big one, Lindsay Hooper. 54,027. That's the number of fans who showed up to BC Place in Vancouver to watch England's quarterfinal against Canada. I think that's the biggest crowd that England have ever had for a game, I think. I'm going to finish with 25. And that's because that's the amount of years it's been since England, any England team, last made a World Cup semi-final. Hurrah! On that note, and it's a good note to end on, certainly for our chat, let's head over to Casey Stoney. I fired some quick questions at her for our quick fire. Surprise, surprise questions. I love the way that our original titles give it, give it all away. Always very straight up, Casey. Very interesting. And here are her little nuggets of joy. Casey Stoney, these are your quick fire questions. Something you didn't know about Canada? Everything. I've never been here. Well, I've only been here but to play football, so pretty much everything. I didn't realise that their cities were so beautiful. Favourite meal that you've had so far on this trip? I went out with my roommate Siobhan and I had a nice steak and it was absolutely beautiful. And favourite thing that you've done on a day off? Oh, Niagara Falls. Absolutely. It was on my bucket list. I'm so glad we went there. It was absolutely amazing. Favourite player for another team at this tournament? Mayama for Japan, I think. She's a very good player. Any job outside football? Doesn't have to be sporting related. England manager? <laughs> Way. In fact, interestingly enough, one of these questions is who's most likely to go on and be manager? And it's, uh, and it's a close call between you and Farrah Williams. Those are the only answers that we've been getting from every other player that we've spoken to. Yeah, I think it would be... I think I'd love to partnership Farrah in a management team one day. I think she's got amazing credentials and I'd like to think that I've you know, got some potential too. So, you know, number one and number two one day. What way round? We'll see. Something we haven't thought of. Very good idea indeed. And if I could offer you tickets for any sporting event all over the world, what would you go for? Probably have to go because it's on at the moment and I'm looking straight at it, uh, the Wimbledon final, uh, you know, when men's and women's. Uh, I was a ball girl many years ago and I've loved it since that day, so I'd probably love to go and watch the Wimbledon final. Um, and the best good luck message that you've had? Got to be from my babies, really. Um, they, they, well, I say they wrote a sign, they didn't write a sign. Their mum wrote a sign and, and posted <laughs> it to me. So they've every game they've, they've sent something. Um, and the last one was them wrapped up in lion towels and it said good luck lionesses, <laughs> so it was amazing. Go and have a look at Megan Harris's Twitter feed because you'll see a lot of them there. Thanks, Casey. Hi, I'm Alex Scott. Don't forget to keep up to date with all the latest from Canada 2015 with the Offside Rule. We get it. So, Lindsay, all that remains for us to say is that we wish England the best of luck against Germany. I know we've not got the best history against them, but there's no reason why the girls just can't go out and give it everything. And I really hope Mark Sampson goes with, with an attacking lineup and just thinks, to hell with it, let's just go for goals. Yes, uh, it's it's tricky because Germany do tend to be a bit of an Achilles heel, number one in the world. Um, maybe they won't be after this tournament, but wow, they don't have three bad games in a row very often. So I think England just need to rally, carry on with that team spirit they've been showing and 
they've had much success from some great set pieces and corner kicks and Farrah Williams with her great assists. And I'm sure there'll be more goals to come for England and we can celebrate those and hopefully at the same time celebrate a good result and a bronze medal. I hope so too. One thing to note about Germany, and we spoke to a Germany fan today, they're a bit bitter. They've completely fallen out of love with the referees and I know that we could possibly be accused of that as well. Um, but the Germans sounding off about sharing hotels, sounding off about the referees, um, just not looking all the ticket for me. So perhaps they are there for the taking. We shall see. Uh, Lindsay and myself will be at the final on Sunday at BC Place. Very much looking forward to that as USA take on Japan. And you'll next hear from us in our final podcast from the Women's World Cup, rounding the whole tournament up. The FIFA Women's World Cup 2015 Brought to you by the Offside Rule and Audio Boom. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.